Welcome to episode 294 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, biohacker and author of What Win Wine. Lose weight and feel great with paleo-style meals, intermittent fasting, and wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Cynthia Thurlow, nurse practitioner and author of Intermittent Fasting Transformation, the 45-day program for women to lose stubborn weight, improve hormonal health, and slow aging. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and cynthiathurlow.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this show do not constitute medical advice or treatment, and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. So, pour yourself a mug of black coffee, a cup of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends, super exciting announcement. Berberine subscriptions are here and this is your chance to get grandfathered in to a massive discount for life. Berberine is an incredible supplement that I love and which is amazing, especially for this audience. It is a plant alkaloid that has been used for thousands of years in traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic medicine, and it rivals the effect of metformin when it comes to blood sugar control. That's right, if you're looking to take charge of your blood sugar levels, berberine can be an incredible tool in your arsenal to help achieve that. I have noticed huge differences on my CGM, my continuous glucose monitor, when I take berberine. I've personally seen a 20 point drop in my postprandial blood sugar levels when I take berberine, and it's not just me. Friends have told me that, you guys in the audience have told me that, influencers have reported that back. It truly is incredible, and it's not just blood glucose control, Berberine has so many other potential health benefits. It can help modulate inflammation, beneficially affect cholesterol levels, support the gut microbiome, and even activate the longevity pathway, AMPK. That's something that we talk a lot about with fasting specifically. Berberine can actually help do that as well. It took quite a while to bring it to market because we couldn't find a berberine source that tested for all of the purity and potency that we wanted. We finally did find a source. That's the one that you get in Avalon X. It's tested multiple times for purity and potency and to be free of all common allergens as well as heavy metals and mold, which you guys know is so important to me. So if you'd like to have berberine in your daily life and help save money as well as be more sustainable for you and the planet, you need a subscription. It helps reduce packaging and shipping energy. And ultimately, we want to create it all in one large bottle like we did recently with my serapeptase supplement. But here's the thing. We want to make sure that we give you guys the right amount of capsules perfect for you. So we are doing a special subscription launch where you guys can actually choose between two different options, two bottles every two months or two bottles every three months. You will get grandfathered in to a 22% off discount for life as long as you keep the subscription active. So now is the time to grab the subscription. And then based on how that goes, whichever is more popular, the two bottles every two months or the two bottles every three months, that will help us decide which type of subscription to launch when we do the large bottle. So this is your chance to snag an incredible discount on Avalon X Berberine 500 and help us figure out what you guys really want in the future with the large bottle option. This is live now and ends July 17th, so snag this deal while you can. That's at avalonx.us. And to stay up to date on all of the latest specials and discounts, definitely get on my email list. That's at avalonx.us slash email list. And you can get text updates and a 20% off code when you text avalonx to 877-861-8318. Of course, you can always use the coupon code MELANIEAVALON site-wide to get 10% off all of my products, as well as all of the products from my fantastic partner, MD Logic Health. So again, grab that berberine subscription, let us know what you want, get grandfathered in to an incredible discount for life, and take charge of your blood sugar control. All right, now back to the show. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during 
pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed, but with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 294 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Cynthia Thurlow. Hey, Melanie. How are you, Cynthia? I am doing well. I'm like super excited. We're a couple weeks into the creatine and we're getting such great feedback. It's really exciting. And I have to thank you for encouraging me to do my own supplements as opposed to white labeling supplements as I had been doing. I'm so excited for you. So by the time this airs, it will have come out, right? This airs December 5th. Correct. So just as a recap, Why did you choose creatine as your first supplement? I think it had a lot to do with the fact that I was getting more involved in the research. And I myself over the last year started taking creatine last fall and was noticing a lot of beneficial gains in the gym, you know, every week increased the amount of weight I was lifting. And that's been really important to me because I psychologically like to know that I'm getting stronger, not weaker with age. And we understand, you know, the complex in a relationship between how we start losing muscle mass and frankly, bone mass in our 40s. And so it's really important to help maintain that. And so my thought process was I want all of my supplements to be focused on two key areas. One is maintaining muscle mass. And number two is anything that's going to be helpful for supporting brain and cognition And so creatine was an easy, you know, first start because both men and women benefit from taking creatine, but in particular, you know, really my life's work is really helping women understand how it can benefit them. And I think there's a lot of common misconceptions, but it's probably one of the most well-researched ergogenic aids or, or supplements that's out there. And I just like people to understand how it can benefit them and not just about, the muscle piece, but understand there are certain times during our menstrual cycle where our creatine needs go up and why vegetarians or vegans actually need more creatine than the rest of us. And, you know, taking into account the changes in physiology as we get older. And so for all those reasons, I decided that I would keep it pretty simple. I think you and I are in alignment that we'd like to keep the supplements simple so that we know what works or what doesn't work. And so 
creatine all by itself seemed to be a good starting point. It's interesting because it's something that wasn't really hardcore on my radar, or I think maybe I was sort of writing it off in my mind because I associated it with like a protein supplement, probably erroneously. And I was like, you know, I I don't need to take any like protein related stuff, but I'm realizing more and more how it's not really about that. Like as all of these other benefits and I've been hearing it pop up on so many places, so many books, podcasts. So I'm really, really excited to get yours. You're mentioning the vegan thing. There's that one I would say famous. I realize I probably think things are famous that aren't famous, but there's that one well-known study that looks at creatine supplementation in vegans versus omnivores. And it's debated because they try to debate the interpretation of the results. But me reading it, I think it makes a strong case that vegans likely are you know, needing creatine to have better brain function compared to meat eaters. So what makes your creatine special? Well, you know, we went, you know, we really went to the research and it's creatine monohydrate. So it's a pure form of creatine without fillers. There's no concerns about contaminants. So I think the high quality nature of it, I always jokingly say that you have to be careful where you buy your supplements and who you buy them from. And so I just felt that MG Logic was the right company to partner with so that I could get the quality of supplements that I was looking for. But creatine monohydrate is the form of creatine that's best studied. And something that's important for people to understand is that you can't get enough of it from your diet. And we make less of it, just like everything else. We make less of it as we get older. So I think for a lot of people, we made the association, it's a gym bro thing. You know, you think about people that are using anabolic steroids. And I just remind individuals that the amount that we're recommending, you know, based on the research is much smaller than what bodybuilders are using. So it's not as if you're going to get puffy or start retaining water. That's not going to happen because we're using, you know, therapeutic amounts as opposed to super therapeutic amounts that are used in that population of individuals. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. That I think that was one of the main associations I had with it in my head, which is why I was miscategorizing it in its potential benefits. And then I know I can also speak, because I know you're working with MD Logic, so it's going to be tested multiple times for purity and potency and for toxins and heavy metals and mold, which is, I mean, that's really important to me. So how can people get your creatine and do you have a code for listeners? So yes, the code is uh, Cynthia to get 10% off. So you can go to CynthiaThurlow.com slash new dash shop slash creatine slash, and that will get you direct access to a really interesting page of information. And you can use code Cynthia to get 10% off. And we'll make sure we put that in the show notes. Awesome. Okie dokie. So we will put all of that in the show notes. I do want to share just, I mentioned I was going to share something last week. I wanted to share it really quickly because I know with the timing of this and the holidays for two reasons, all the food festivities coming up. And also I know people are looking for gifts and I think this would be the most amazing gift ever. I have something in my life now that I am obsessed with. I am beyond obsessed. Do you have a composter? I do not. We weren't allowed to have them in our last neighborhood outside. So a brand, they actually reached out to us wanting to partner with IF Podcast. So I'm hoping we can partner with them in the new year. We were booked with inventory for this year, but I did book them for my other show and it's Lomi. It's a composter that you can have in your kitchen. Friends, oh my goodness. I've been wanting to compost for so long, but it seemed very daunting. It just seemed like a a big, task. I've been throwing away, as you guys know, I eat so many cucumbers. (laughs) I throw away like pounds of cucumber peels every night. And now I put all of my cucumber peels, all of my like cilantro stems into this wonderful little device. It's like, if you think of like a crock pot, it's probably like the size of like two crock pots, but it's very like sleek and savvy and quiet. And I just have it down on the floor next to my trash can. I throw all of my scraps in it every single night. I press the button. It runs overnight. The next morning, it's magically turned into dirt. It is the most incredible thing. And you can put in these little pellets that will make it more microbial rich dirt if you want to use that dirt to like 
put in a garden or grow stuff yourself. I don't, I just actually throw out the actual dirt, but it's becoming like one of my favorite things. And I'm so happy it's in my life with all of the waste coming up of the holidays and are looking for a gift. This would be an amazing gift for people. So I wanted to share it for so long because I've been so obsessed. So now is the time, but so my, hopefully we'll have a code for them on this show in the new year. But for now, if you go to Lomi.com slash Melanie Avalon, so that's L-O-M-I.com slash M-E-L-A-N-I-E-A-V-A-L-O-N, the coupon code Melanie Avalon will get you $50 off. So definitely check it out. It's honestly one of my favorite things. That's so awesome. Yeah. And our last HOA was really strict. And so even the crunchy people in our neighborhood couldn't have composters, which is silly to me. But maybe this will force me to revisit the concept because I have a husband who likes to garden. That's like his thing. He loves planting fruits and vegetables and loves being out in the the yard and doing yard work. And so maybe that will encourage him to make good use of things that otherwise get tossed or put down the garbage disposal. Yes. Like you have it inside, you have it in your kitchen. So anybody can really have it. It's just so cool. The first time you do it too, it's just if you haven't done it before though, it's so cool to like put in all of these food scraps and then it's just this nice dirt in the morning and the dirt, it smells really good. It's like fruity smelling dirt for me at least because it's like cucumbers and yeah, definitely check that out. Okie dokie. Shall we get into some listener questions for today? Absolutely. To start things off, we have two questions. I'm going to read both of them because they speak to a similar concept and it's something that we've talked about on this show before, but um, I really wanted to get Cynthia's input on this and see what she has experienced with her patients. So the first question comes from Dylan. The subject is to skin with skin in quotes E. It's like skinny, but the skin is in quotation marks. Hey ladies, love the podcast. I started listening in the middle of January this year when I started my IF journey and have since caught up and listened to every episode. You're both so funny and encouraging. I'm typically on a 24 routine, but often find that I eat all of my food within one to two hours and I feel satisfied. I also do a 44-hour fast once every other week. Since January, I've lost over 50 pounds and have 10 more to go, but I'm at my target weight. I started at 235 pounds, the heaviest I've ever been. I'm also happy with the fact that I'm gaining muscle about as quickly as I'm burning fat by doing occasional HIIT and light weightlifting. My question is regarding extra skin. I've lost weight so rapidly that I have a lot of extra skin, especially in my abdominal area. Will my body eventually begin to shed the extra skin through autophagy? Do you have any tips for reducing stretch marks without expensive creams or lotions? Any tips regarding this would be greatly appreciated. Keep up the great work. I recommended your podcast to several friends and coworkers, and a few of them have started their own IF journeys. One of those converts is a friend of mine who is beginning his residency to become a physician and by researching several papers and studies is now a major advocate for fasting. Regards, Dylan. First of all, I want to say, Dylan, that's awesome about sharing it with doctors because it's really nice to get some of this perspective into the mainstream medical community. And we have a question from Sarah. The subject is toning up. Sarah says... I've been doing IF for around six weeks and I've just been introduced to your podcast, which I'm listening to on catch up. So apologies if my question is answered in a podcast that I haven't reached yet. I'm doing IF for weight loss and anything extra from clean fasting is a bonus. With large weight loss comes saggy skin. Will IF help with this over time or will I need additional exercises to target this? Loving the podcasts. All right. So Cynthia, have you had experience with this? Yes. So thank you to Dylan and Sarah for your questions. And yes, they are very similar in terms of people that have lost quite a bit of weight and are looking to have some improvement in the excess skin. You know, one thing that I say to patients is in many ways, when your skin stretches out and it's been stretched out for a period of time, depending on how old you are, obviously, if you're perimenopausal, menopausal, it's going to be harder because as we're losing estrogen, that is critically important for collagen and elastin formation. That doesn't mean it's impossible, but I do find when people have lost large amounts of weight that sometimes it becomes more challenging. Now, there are specific types of lasers. There are topical products that can help to some degree, but I would be remiss if I were to say that I think all of that can be ameliorated just with 
weight loss and fasting, but I, I think it really comes down to what bothers you and how aggressively you want to fix it. And so I'm an advocate of people feeling comfortable in their bodies and feeling comfortable with where they are. But probably if you're feeling like doing laser to help kind of, you know, stimulate more collagen elastin, if that's not something that's going to fix the problem or topical things are not going to be aggressive enough, then you could potentially move on to, you know, surgical interventions. And, and obviously I'm not a plastic surgeon and I can't speak for them, but for a lot of my patients, they end up getting to a point where they want to surgically address this. I have just as many that are comfortable doing non-surgical options as an aside, but, you know, as you are getting more to your ideal weight, you know, there will be some changes to the skin, but a lot of it can be mitigated by, you know, where we are in time and space. Obviously a 30 year old losing a bunch of weight, it's going to be, they're going to have a, a better rebound effect than, you know, someone that's a little bit older. And just like when women have pregnancies and they stretch their abdomens out over a period of, you know, 40 weeks, for many people, they do get some rebound of that skin. And it really, a lot of it can be genetically mediated. So in a very broad context, I think that a lot of it is dependent on what you're doing and, you know, what bothers you enough. You know, for some people, they're completely comfortable pulling on some spanks and going about their day. For others, that would be problematic, but I would wait till you get closer to your goal weight before, you know, examining what options are available. What do you think, Melanie? Yeah, I know Dr. Fung has talked in the past about how one of the things they noticed in their weight loss clinics with fasting patients is that the fasting patients wouldn't experience the at all or at least the extent of saggy skin effects that people often see with weight loss. And I think he's proposed that it could be something like with the autophagy that's going on there, helping to mitigate that effect. I do think that losing weight with fasting can potentially have a, a more beneficial effect on the excess skin and the effects like that. I agree completely with everything Cynthia said. This is something where Depending on how intense it is, I know Dylan was saying that he was not so much interested in expensive creams or lotions. I do think most creams or lotions are probably not going to do that much. That said, I actually do think there is benefit to some topical treatment, especially because you can put these compounds directly on the skin. I would like to formulate some sort of cream in the future that might help with skin tightening. That said, the most effective thing is probably going to be what Cynthia mentioned with the lasers and the things like that. I actually really, really like, I've done something called CryoSlim. It's a cold therapy application and a warm therapy that has a really nice skin tightening effect. Also building muscle in the area can be great for, depending on where the area is, filling up that area with muscle and having a a beneficial effect on the perception of the skin. And especially, I've talked about it before, but I've been doing a lot of M-Sculpt, which is muscle stimulation, electrical muscle stimulation. And I've actually built a lot of muscle using it. And it has the added benefit if you do the M-Sculpt Neo specifically. It also has a radio frequency application. I believe it's radio frequency that also has a skin tightening and fat burning effect. And so people might think that, who am I to make a testimony about this? But I think when you do get down to the really intense lingering things, you really can tell what is working and what's not. And I've seen a huge effect on some personal areas doing the M-Sculpt Neo in particular. And I really, really like that because you get the muscle building effects, which is going to have a huge benefit for metabolic health. And then on top of that, it seems to have a really nice effect on the skin surrounding the area as well. But then there are also lots of other skin tightening options. And I do think there's a lot there. So you can just like vet those different options out. Again, that is going to be a more expensive and committed route to go. So hi, friends. I'm about to tell you how to get my favorite electrolytes for free plus special announcement. Element's new chocolate medley is here. So when you think electrolytes, you might think summer and hot times and needing to stay hydrated. But did you know that hydration is actually super important in cold weather as well? There's an idea out there that cold weather reduces our hydration needs. 
that's not true. So in the cold, two main things can actually increase our metabolic rate. You may be working harder, tramping through the snow, and you can be wearing cumbersome winter clothing that can actually raise your energy needs by 10 to 20%. And as your metabolic rate raises, your sweat rate raises, and you need to replace those fluids with electrolytes. You also lose more water when it's cold through your breath. That's because cold temperatures contain significantly less water than hot temperatures, aka it's drier outside. When you breathe in that cold, dry air, your respiratory system actually acts like a humidifier so that your body can be warm and humid like it likes to be. Of course, that drains your hydration reserves as well. One study actually found that respiratory water loss after a full day of activity nearly doubled at freezing temperatures compared to the 70s. On top of that, when you're cold, you actually become less thirsty, possibly from blood vessel constrictions in the cold, which can trick the body into thinking the blood volume is higher than it is. In other words, it's cold out there. You probably need hydration and electrolytes are so key for all of these cellular processes in your body, all of your energy production. It all requires electrolytes, but it can be hard to find electrolytes, which are clean without unnecessary fillers and which you can feel good about drinking. That's why I love Element. There's a reason I'm obsessed with it. There's a reason all you guys are as well. And like I said, I'm so excited because Element's new chocolate medley is here featuring chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. And this is a limited time, so you definitely want to stock up on these now. Plus, you can get a free gift with purchase when you purchase that chocolate medley or other Element electrolytes. That's right, you can get a free sample pack, eight single serving packets for free with any Element order. It's a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. You can get yours at drinklmnt.com slash ifpodcast. That's drinklmnt.com slash ifpodcast. By the way, those chocolates in that chocolate medley make delicious hot chocolates. And of course, as always, Element has a no questions asked refund, so you have nothing to lose. So go to drinklmnt.com slash ifpodcast to get your free electrolytes. Shall we go on to our next question? This is from Marilee, and the subject is hair dyes. Hello, do you dye your hair? What do you use? Hair dyes have all the nasty ingredients, so I'm wondering what are your thoughts on that? I am bleaching my hair monthly, and I'm wondering where all the nasty stuff I am ingesting through my skin. Also, I'm from Estonia and was shocked in a positive way that Melanie has two podcasts with my fellow Estonian Seamlad. Best wishes, Merrily. Melanie, what are your thoughts on this? Also, I did not plan this last week. I know we were talking a lot about Seamland. So... This is something, okay, I have thoughts about this. So I am all about the non-toxic environment, cleaning up our exposure to toxins in our environment. I don't know how much I can talk about it. I feel like I talk about it all the time. I'm going to be completely honest and transparent. I haven't done this with my hair dye. I'm naturally blonde. I'm dirty blonde. I lighten it. I probably should look more into this, but I've just personally decided that I've cleaned up everything else so much, like all of my skincare, all of my makeup, my food, my environment. The hair is like the one thing where I'm like, I'm just gonna just do it and I'm not gonna stress about it. That said, I know it is probably something in the future that hopefully I will look into more. And I did look into it a little bit. And interestingly, so I have a Facebook group you can join called Clean Beauty and Safe Skincare with Melanie Avalon. And people have asked this before. Somebody actually asked about this last week, which was perfect timing. And there was like about 30 comments of people having suggestions. So some of the things that came up, and I would recommend that you do some further research on these because again, I don't have experience with them and I didn't like hardcore vet them. So well, a lot of people in the group, I actually think that the nature of the question was somebody was saying she wanted to use henna. And again, this would not be for lightning. So this wouldn't be um, for Marilee's issue. But for people who are going dark, she was saying that she was thinking of using henna and her hair girl was saying that it could have heavy metals in it and be an issue. Comments, people were saying they did not have that experience and were not aware of that. And I haven't seen that anywhere else. So I don't know if that's an issue, but henna is often used to go darker. There's a brand I found called Light Mountain. And again, it's really hard to know if this is greenwashing or not. And by greenwashing, I mean like, you know, are they just using a lot of words to make it seem really great when it's not? But I think erring on the side of at least companies that are purporting to 
Being more non-toxic is probably a safe choice. So like on Light Mountain's website, they say that the premier natural hair color and conditioner product line, they say they use no chemicals, no synthetic ingredients, only pure premium henna and other botanicals that they've been blending since the 1980s and are the leading totally natural line in, in the natural products industry. So you could look into them. Another person recommended Tents of Nature, which they actually sell on Thrive Market. And according to them, they say we use the lowest possible levels of PPD pigments and leave out harsh ingredients like ammonia. They say they ensure that all of the ingredients are high quality and sourced from responsible suppliers who do their bit to protect the planet. They believe that natural ingredients are better and they prefer to use kind and gentle natural and organic ingredients that give the love back to your hair. They leave out synthetic nasties like ammonia, parabens, resorcinol, I don't know what that is, and sulfates. They say the only time they use synthetic ingredients are when they cannot find a suitable natural alternative. That might be an option to look into. A lot of people have recommended Madison Reed. It was hard for me to evaluate if they are great or if it was greenwashing, but in any case, it's probably better than what most people are normally getting. So that might be something to look into. So those are the options that I am recommending. Cynthia, do you dye or color your hair? Right now, I'm doing a lot of low lights because we're heading out of summer and I actually like a really kind of ashy blonde. With each kiddo, my hair got darker. And so I do partial highlights throughout the year. I don't use bleach because I like that ashy look. And so there's a constant battle to keep that ashy look and not be gold. And so bleach for me doesn't really work well. Admittedly, my hair is definitely an area where I struggle a bit to find cleaner products. I use things like argan oil to help with frizz, and that's obviously clean. That's made in Morocco, and you can find organic derivatives. But I would say the two that I'm most familiar with, the clean hair dye options or cleaner, Madison Reed, as Melanie also just identified. And then also there's a company called Arctic Fox, I have a couple girlfriends who use that. It's vegan. According to them, it you know it works really well on kind of lighter colored hair, but can work well on dark hair as well. Beyond that, my hair colorist, we try to find the cleanest options that are available, but this is definitely an area where I'm constantly a work in progress because I have... I have very coarse hair. And so for me, using the super clean shampoos generally don't, they don't clean my hair all that well and they don't moisturize it sufficiently. So we're constantly trying different things to find cleaner options. But Arctic Fox and Madison Reed are two options. And I think those are available to people that they can purchase on their own. You don't have to purchase it through your hairstylist. But yeah, there there's not 100% consensus on finding things that are, you know, easier on our hair and and non-toxic. I know a lot of people, you're starting to see emerging trends. Like I'm starting to see a lot of women that are middle-aged that aren't dyeing their hair anymore. You know, for me, I don't have a lot of gray, so that that wouldn't per se necessarily help me out. But I think for each one of us, we have to pick our poisons, if you will. And for me right now, I just haven't been able to go 100% clean on shampoo or hair dye, but I definitely endeavor to keep looking for cleaner, safer options. So on the shampoo conditioner front, I do love, love, love beauty counters, shampoo and conditioner. Oh, the, and the conditioner, it doesn't weigh my hair down. Like I, I just really, really love how it makes my hair feel. I also like, they used to be called free and clear. I think they're now called Vanna cream, but they make a completely unscented allergen friendly shampoo and conditioner. I like their shampoo. I like to pair actually their shampoo with the beauty counter conditioner because I find if I do the beauty counter conditioner and shampoo, sometimes it's too moisturizing for me. I also love their hairspray. I wish beauty counter would make a hairspray, but I really, really like, like I said, I think it's called Vanna cream. Now I really like their free and clear hairspray. It has no perfumes and works really well. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. I can't believe I used to like spray my whole face with all this hairspray that had all of those perfumes and like compounds in them. Oh, I shudder thinking about it. Now, whenever I go get my hair done, she always, you know, wants to bring out the hairspray at the end. I'm like, no, like don't, don't spray that on me. 
I think it's challenging and I don't pass judgment on people that, you know, are, are navigating how to make better options. You know, it's interesting. We're doing a webinar on Sunday night, kind of talking about cleaner options for your home and for your makeup. And I'm very transparent and just share with people that there are some things that are easy for me and some things are harder and you just do the best that you can. And if you're avoiding 80% of what's out there, you're doing pretty darn good. So, you know, don't beat yourself up. Yeah, I actually, so I had that experience recently because I really wanted to try eyelash extensions. I was going on a trip to Austin. And so I wanted to just like try them and not have to deal with (laughs) mascara. And I was researching it and I was like, okay, well, this is going to require chemicals, but you just got to choose like what you, you know, the cost benefit of everything. So I did them. They were super fun. I will say that I took them out and I kind of freaked out by (laughs) how much my um, eyelashes seem shorter. And it's hard to know if they like actually were gone or if they just seem so different compared to the extensions. But so then that's the situation where, so like the way I saw it with the eyelash extensions, like putting them on the application process seemed more like a one-off compared to like a chronic administration. So when I took them off, I was like, I've got to find a, a growth serum. So I really wanted to find a clean one. And oh my goodness, I am obsessed. Friends, get this now. Or if you need gifts for anybody, I tried Dime Eyelash Growth Serum. It's amazing. And that's something where if you're going to be using it, you're probably using it every single day. So it was important for me to find a clean version of it. The growth, I'm so excited because now I honestly think I'm going to have fuller, more lush lashes than I did even before the extensions because I'm using this every single day. Like I'm just going to use this every day for the rest of my life. So if you go to melanieavalon.com slash dime, the coupon code melanieavalon will actually get you a discount site-wide, but definitely try that lash growth serum. But yes, I definitely agree with you, Cynthia, about like do the best you can, do cost-benefit analysis and you know just do what works best in your life. Absolutely. And I've had good luck with castor oil. You know, that can be helpful for people that feel like their eyelashes aren't as vibrant as they once were. I know for me, my eyes are super sensitive. So I could never be one of those people that could do eyelash extensions. But when I do special events, I'll do the individual eyelashes that are just temporary and I'll do those. And I can always feel like by day two, my eyes are like, please get this stuff off. I think a lot of it has to do with the glue. I certainly have had some friends who've done really well with eyelash extensions and others that have struggled a bit. So lots of options there for sure. Well, I'm really glad I did them. They were super fun. And if I hadn't done them, I wouldn't have looked into this growth serum. And now I'm just really excited because I'm like, I'm going to have the most like luscious eyelashes ever naturally. I had one more comment. Oh, castor oil. Castor oil just makes me want to cry. When I was in my really... <laughs> my phase when I was really struggling with constipation, people will recommend castor oil to fix that. Have you ever taken castor oil? Have you ever? I never have. It is, I can't even think about it. It is the worst. It is the most foul thing I have ever put in my body. The taste of it. It just, mm. so yes, castor oil makes me shudder. But that's different than, you're saying putting it on your eyelashes? Yes. Very cool. Yeah, I have some, some friends that have had really good luck with that. Nice. If it didn't make me want to cry, I would try that. No, we don't want to induce crying. That would be bad. Listeners, though, can check out the show notes. We'll put links to everything that we talked about. I feel bad for our editor, Brianna, for this one because there's so many show notes to create. Okay, shall we go on to our next question? Mm-hmm. So we have a question from Kelly. The subject is cortisol. And Kelly says, Hi, ladies. Thanks for all that you do for the podcast. It has helped me and so many others. I've been listening since episode three. Wow. And look forward to the new podcast every week. I've been intermittent fasting for six months now and loving it. One side effect I've noticed is being easily startled in the afternoon before I break my fast. I sometimes have one cup of coffee early in the morning, but notice it on days that I don't have coffee too. Does this have to do with cortisol levels? Can you speak to the effect of fasting on cortisol levels as a whole? Thanks. Well, Kelly, there's many things that could impact how you're feeling. And, you know, when we talk about coffee, quality is certainly important, much like a lot of crops. Coffee is prone to exposure to mycotoxins or mold. So when people sometimes feel differently on days that they're consuming coffee or not consuming coffee, I always think about contaminants 
But obviously, if your body is dependent on the caffeine, that could also explain why you are you know, feeling like you're having a slump in the afternoon. And yes, could that be mediated by cortisol? It could also be mediated by what you're breaking your fast with. So there's many nuances here. Cortisol is definitely influencing many things that go on in the body. You know, cortisol goes up in response to our circadian biology. And so when we get up in the morning, that's when cortisol should be highest. It ebbs and flows throughout the day and is lowest in the evening except for our unicorn co-host, Melanie Avalon. But certainly in me, that's kind of how, you know, my energy is greatest in the morning and early afternoon. And then throughout the rest of the day, it's kind of waxing and waning, but still fairly consistent. But, you know, you have to think about fasting as a hormetic stressor. And so if your body perceives it's too much stress, it can increase your cortisol in a non-beneficial way. And so I think you really have to take into account many things when considering the net impact on Fasting, it can be impacted by the foods you choose to consume. How's your sleep? What's your stress management style like? What kind of exercise are you doing? Where are you in your menstrual cycle? All of which can be impacted negatively or positively by when or how much fasting you are embracing. So I I think, you know, really sitting down and getting nuanced about, you know, how caffeine influences how you feel in the afternoon. You mentioned easily startled. Yes, caffeine is a stimulant. So, Some people are slow metabolizers of coffee or caffeine and others are faster metabolizers of caffeine. And so that can also play a role as well. But I think looking at it kind of comprehensively, getting a little bit nuanced and then also understanding not wanting to overfast because that can, you know, that can impact your cortisol, understanding where you're on your menstrual cycle and how is stress and sleep and nutrition impacting your cortisol as well. What do you think, Melanie? So speaking to the fact that, you know, she has this startling effect if she has coffee or not. So it sounds like she's having this wired feeling regardless of the caffeine. And it probably is related, I would guess, to the fasting and being in that sympathetic state. So, you know, the fasted state does upregulate hormones and neurotransmitters that are energetic and make you active, you know, so norepinephrine, epinephrine, cortisol. So yes, that startling feeling, coffee or not, that you experience with fasting definitely could be playing a role. As far as the effects of fasting on cortisol levels, we actually talked about this in a lot of detail on an episode where we were discussing a study. I think it's when we were talking about a blog post that Dr. Sarah Ballantyne had done on this, and she had referenced a study looking at the effects of fasting on cortisol levels. And actually, I think it was the effects of later eating, like fasting with later eating on cortisol levels. And the fascinating thing about that study is I went and looked at it and it seemed that having a fasting window during the day with eating later really did create the cortisol pattern that we'd want to see with the caveat of like Cynthia was saying, over fasting and having too much cortisol. But basically our natural cortisol rhythm, we should get a bump in the morning with the dawn effect. And the purpose is to prep the body with fuel for the day, release glycogen from the liver so you can get up and go. And as a hunter-gatherer, get up and go find your meal. So it's normal to see a cortisol bump in the morning. And then it should slowly taper throughout the day. It seems that eating later can further stimulate that pattern where you have higher cortisol in the morning and lower cortisol at night. So I think fasting can pair really well with cortisol levels. But again, you do want to be careful. Like Cynthia was saying that you're not going too much with it and having, you know, releasing too much cortisol, not being able to have a beneficial cortisol pattern. It's also interesting. I've interviewed Dr. Michael Bruce on my show multiple times, and he points out that most people should have these normal cortisol levels, but there's one chronotype, one sleep chronotype that he calls a dolphin, which I am. And we are unique in that we naturally get a cortisol bump at night, like regardless. I think that's actually a reason that I do so well with eating at night is because I can kind of counter that cortisol bump. And because when I eat like my main, my big meal, I find that it really reduces my cortisol levels. Well, I don't measure them, but I'm assuming it does. (laughs) That's the experience that I personally experience. And so that's one reason that I really like my fasting pattern for me personally with my cortisol levels. But Yes, the startling. It is, I can definitely see how fasting would be encouraging that response. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is where that piece and bioindividuality really plays in. As an example, Melanie and I are recording this podcast at at 5.45 p.m., which means she's just getting revved up and my body is like, okay, we're going to be in bed in a couple hours. And I think, you know, really leaning into our physiology and, and doing a degree of experimentation to find out what supports your body. I know I have plenty of patients and clients that do better with tea as opposed to coffee. In many ways, there can sometimes be less caffeine in some of the bitter teas. And so I, I would experiment to see how how you respond to that. And, you know, you can certainly, depending on where you are in your menstrual cycle, you know, you may respond more readily or more easily to longer fasts, shorter fasts, et cetera. Yeah, that's a great suggestion. Yeah, a lot of people do well with the green tea. And also a lot of people, I've seen people pair theanine with caffeine and find that it can mitigate some of that so that people can have a less stressful response to the caffeine. So that might be something to try. All right. Shall we go on to our next question? Sure. This is from Lynn. Subject is jet lag. I love, love, love your show. I'm working my way through your previous episodes. It really helped me the first couple of weeks of intermittent fasting to listen to your shows daily. I started January 1st, 2018, and I'm down 19 pounds and counting. I'm currently doing one meal a day. My question is regarding travel and eating to prevent jet lag. I heard about a study from some, can't remember which one, university, that to start eating a day before on the time of the place you're going to prevent jet lag. Have you ladies traveled far and how do you do with jet lag? I am in Hawaii to meet up with my husband who is stationed in Japan for two years. It's a quick trip. Intermittent fasting makes it easy when you're traveling for sure. I really struggled with jet lag yesterday. I also use melatonin and a homeopathic med to help. I still struggle with it. Even in Hawaii, I still want to eat at my schedule time in Virginia. I'm going to Japan this summer. Who knows what or how I'll feel in Japan. Any thoughts on food, intermittent fasting, and jet lag? Thank you for all you do. You are an inspiration for all of us out there trying to make this work. Awesome. Thank you, Lynn, for your question. I used to travel internationally. I mean, relatively a lot, like every year, mostly. I haven't done that since I've started fasting. I've just traveled domestically, but I can still speak to it. And I'll be super curious to hear Cynthia's thoughts because she's traveling all the time, I feel, internationally. There's been a really interesting study on jet lag and fasting specifically and how fasting can help basically mitigate the effects of jet lag. And the way the setup is, is rather than eating before, so like she's talking about like starting with the way she's eating before traveling, they advocate just once you get to the new place, so like fasting and then eating on the time zone of the new place once you get there. And so personally, just traveling domestically, so obviously the most, the biggest difference would only be a three hour difference. I found that I don't have, I have zero issues. I just, whenever I travel, so like between LA and East Coast, I just, regardless of which way I'm going, I just fast like I normally do. And then I eat my dinner in my new location and it immediately sets me back to that wherever I am. Like I have zero issues, zero. Our food and our circadian rhythm regarding our food intake can heavily influence our sleep circadian rhythm. Because if you think about it, you could be completely awake and then you could eat like a massive meal and get really tired, or you could be exhausted and fasted and hungry and not be able to fall asleep. Like there's a big effect on our food intake and our, our sleep. So it can be a really nice hack to use fasting and then just eat on the time zone of where you're going. But again, I haven't done this internationally. Cynthia, what are your thoughts? This is such a great question because I am a world traveler. This is one of my great joys in life is traveling. So Gosh, in the past 18 months, we've been to Africa, we've been to Europe, I do a lot of West Coast travel. And I do find for me, I just get on the plane and I generally just fast and I and I stay hydrated. And then as soon as I arrive, so I try to get on the schedule of wherever I'm going. So if I arrive in the morning, like what typically happens when you arrive in Europe, you're arriving in their morning, I will try to stay fasted until lunchtime, which is generally when I break my fast. Obviously, when I've traveled to Africa, most recently you arrive in the evening 
And so I typically, if I'm hungry, I'll eat, but if I'm not hungry, I'll just go to bed. And then the next morning I'll get up and I'll eat around the time I would at home, even though it's the middle of the night at home. But I think when you really look at the research, it takes about one day per hour of time difference. So usually a solid week in Europe when it's six plus hours ahead and in Africa, I would imagine Japan is going to take a bit longer because that's more than 12 hours, I believe, ahead of the East Coast. But obviously, it depends on where your husband is stationed. So I, I think that you can absolutely integrate fasting into helping support jet lag. I think staying really well hydrated and trying to get light exposure on your retinas is going to be important. You know, the other thing, and I've learned that I travel really well when I go east and I always struggle a bit more when I go west. So I can actually travel more easily to Europe or Africa and I struggle more when I go to California. And I, I suspect it's because, you know, being ahead is easier than being behind. So my body at eight o'clock at night is saying it's really late for me. Don't laugh, Melanie. 11 o'clock at night is late for me. But in my mind, even though it's 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, my body is really struggling to stay awake. So I think just understanding it's going to take a period of time. It could take up to two weeks. You may be actually in Japan for that amount of time. So it may take a bit of time to acclimate and, you know, really just being open to the fact that you're going to have a couple of days where you're probably going to drag. But the one thing that I've learned that's been really helpful is staying hydrated resting when I need to, and then making sure I'm eating the proper macros. So again, protein, vegetables work really well for me, regardless of where I am. If I start eating a bunch of junk and I start drinking a lot of alcohol, which I don't do, that would definitely worsen the jet lag for me. So hopefully that's helpful and you know, enjoy your time in Japan. It's so funny. That really speaks to the bio-individuality aspect because for me, so me traveling from like Atlanta to LA, I love it because it just gives me a longer fast. It basically adds on, I guess, you know, a three hour additional hours of fasting. And I often think every night anyways, oh, I could like fast for another three hours. So it's like my dream situation. I'm curious, did you have a different experience of jet lag and all of that before you were fasting? I have been, so this is like our, like I say, everyone has priorities and like travel has always been ours. I struggled more with jet lag when I was in my 20s. By the time I got to my 30s, so obviously my 20s and 30s, I wasn't fasting. When I got into my 30s, I remember when we went to Greece for our honeymoon, I, I was miserable trying to stay awake. So do I think that fasting probably has helped? Potentially. I think I'm also much more aware of the net impact of lifestyle and how that plays in with jet lag and you know, I probably walked around chronically dehydrated for years, which probably exacerbated my jet lag. So yeah, I, I can honestly tell you that I was that person who walked around feeling like I was drunk for days. And it was because I was so, I just couldn't get over that, that sleep hump. And, you know, obviously I would say I've, I've traveled pretty effortlessly since fasting, largely because I understand how to fuel my body. And I think that makes a big difference. And, and honestly, more often than not, when I'm in an airport or when I'm traveling, even domestically, I just, I generally will stay hydrated. I'll drink a lot of electrolytes, but I'll just fast in the anticipation for wherever I'm going to. That's a good question. Fasting is such a wonderful hack and tool for travel, I think. And not having to deal with airplane food and not feeling chained to having to deal with the meal aspect of it. And like, yeah, I just find it so, so helpful. Absolutely. And I think it's it's interesting that you know, one of the standard questions that I think we both get on social media is, you know, what do you do when you travel? So I always travel with the, if in need, these are the things I'll eat, but I always travel with, you know, like Paleo Valley beef jerky. I always travel with salted macadamia nuts because if I get in a position where I'm really hungry, I don't want to eat crap. And most of the airports here in the US, there's a lot of junk. I mean, occasionally you get unicorn airports, but generally there's just a lot of processed junk. So I always have that available if I need it. But, you know, it's easy just to stay hydrated. I mean, I I used to carry glass water bottles and it depends on how much traveling I'm doing. But now sometimes I'll just go in and buy, I know. And it's, the, you know, trying to find like the happy medium of, do I want to carry around a glass water bottle for four or five days? Or do I want to just buy like a bottle of Fiji water and use some electrolytes in it and just forgive myself for 
the exposure to plastics and just be done with it. Yeah. Goes back to, you know, deciding what's worth it and what's the uh, cost benefit. And I will comment on the melatonin piece. I'm a huge fan of melatonin. I, I had concerns about it, about it downregulating melatonin production and whether or not you should take it nightly, but learning more about it, especially reading Dr. John Lawrence's book, I think he calls it Melatonin Miracle. I learned a lot about melatonin and realized it has a lot of antioxidant effects and people do like high dose melatonin supplementation. And I've, I've interviewed Dr. Kirk Parsley about this and he has a little bit of melatonin in his sleep remedy supplement, which can be really, really amazing. Oh, by the way, I definitely recommend that supplement if you are looking for something to help you naturally fall asleep without pharmaceutical aids. You can get it at melanieavalon.com slash sleep remedy and the coupon code melanieavalon will get you 10% off. I think if I were to travel something where I had to just like make myself fall asleep because of the the timing issue, I would definitely probably do some high dosing of melatonin. And I think Peter T has talked about this and I think he's more hesitant about melatonin, but he did say on a podcast I listened to recently that he will do the high dose melatonin route to adjust to time zones. It's interesting. I interviewed Dr. Kyle Gillette. He is a functional medicine provider. And, you know, we talked about melatonin because to me, I use melatonin and it is a master antioxidant. Yes, it can help with sleep, but there's so many benefits. And for people north of 40 in particular, many of them have very depleted amounts of melatonin in their bodies. And so, Thinking of it from that perspective is very different, but he actually said in all of his patients north of 40 that he is not opposed to them utilizing supplemental melatonin. So I think it can be helpful for those that are traveling, but I also think from the perspective of you know just aging in general, I, I do find for a lot of my patients and clients, they do very nicely if we do testing and we confirm that their melatonin levels are pretty low, their urinary metabolites on the Dutch, that you know, using a titrated, meaning we go up and we come back down, we'll use a titrated approach to melatonin. I've had some pretty incredible results with utilizing that. And, and I do have a very, and maybe Melanie and I can talk about this on another podcast, I have a very stepwise approach to sleep support. And I'm very serious about my sleep very serious about my sleep. So, you know, there there are definite products that I think can be very beneficial. Melatonin can be one of them. I really personally like MD Logic's product. They're actually reformulating their melatonin. So it's going to be 100% clean, like no rice flour or anything like that. But that is probably my favorite melatonin to utilize. And it's very potent. Like I can give the example that Designs for Health has a product called Melatonin SRT, so sustain release. And I, when I first tried the MD Logic product, I took the same amount, except it was so much more potent that the next morning when I woke up, I could barely open up my eyes. So I remind people to go low and slow. And the MD Logic product, which I know both Melanie and I both have codes, mine is Cynthia to give you 10% off. But melatonin is, is definitely a supplement that I think is really invaluable to use. And for those of us that are perimenopausal or menopausal, it can be really very helpful for sleep support. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. And especially with melatonin, that's one of the studies where they've done studies reviewing. I found one where they, I think they looked at 30, they looked at, I think like 30 bottles of melatonin and it was around a dozen or 15 or so brands. And they tested for the actual amount of melatonin compared to what the bottle said. And it was shocking, shocking how far off they were. And this was like mainstream brands. So definitely finding a product that you really like. So that MD Logic melatonin definitely would be one to try. And I think I shared this before, but I think the thing that sold the deal for me, I know I've shared this before. <laughs> the thing that sold the deal for me about like, okay, it's okay. I can be taking melatonin is that night that I accidentally thought I was taking digestive enzymes and I was actually taking melatonin. They were in the same bottle and they looked the exact same. And I took, I don't even know how many milligrams I took. And I slept so well and because I didn't no high-dosed melatonin. I wonder if I would have felt groggy, like how much of the placebo effect might have happened. Like I wonder if I would have felt it more if I realized, but I didn't realize until the next night that I had taken so much. And so after that, I was like, okay, it's fine. But melatonin. It's good stuff. All right. Well, we will put links to all of that in the show notes, which will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 294. 
If you would like to submit your own questions for the show, you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. You can get all the stuff that we like at ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like, and you can follow us on Instagram. We are ifpodcast. I am Melanie Avalon and Cynthia is Cynthia underscore Thurlow underscore. Well, I think that is all the things. Anything from you, Cynthia, before we go? No, I think this has been a particularly enjoyable episode. Lots of good topics. I agree. So incredible. And I'll let you go and wind down your day and I will talk to you next week. Sounds good. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, everything we discussed on this show does not constitute medical advice and no patient-doctor relationship is formed. If you enjoyed the show, please consider writing a review on iTunes. We couldn't do this without our amazing team. Administration by Sharon Merriman. Editing by Podcast Doctors. Show notes and artwork by Brianna Joyner. Transcripts by Speech Docs. And original theme composed by Leland Cox and recomposed by Steve Saunders. See you next week.